Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We thank you for joining us today as we finish out a series, Walking with Christ Through the Gospel of Mark. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark, which is in the New Testament. It's the second book. So find the Gospel of Matthew, take a right, and you'll go to the Gospel of Mark. We're in the last chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 16. If you've just joined us for the very first time, we want to give you a warm welcome, but I want to give you a little context for what we're going to read today. Now, as I record this, in April 2019, it is Resurrection Celebration Week, and this is Thursday of that week where we remember Christ being in the upper room with the disciples for the Last Supper. He's betrayed. He is tried. He's beaten, scourged. We, in the last episode, saw the Lord Jesus Christ crucified, definitely dead, as certified by a Roman centurion, and buried in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. So Christ is now, as we walk with him through the Gospel of Mark, he's dead. He's been put in this tomb, and as you see at the end of Mark 15, a large stone is rolled in place in front of that. The word that the Apostle John uses in his gospel relating to that stone. Um, that word has been used in Greek indicating that it would take about 20 men to move a stone of that size. So Christ is definitely dead and he is entombed. Not only that, but we know from the other gospels that there has been a Roman guard placed around that tomb and the seal of Rome has been placed upon the tomb. No one could steal the body. No one could perpetrate a fraud or a hoax upon the world. Christ is definitely dead. And we saw in the last verse of Mark 15 that Mary and the other ladies saw where he was buried and, of course, Joseph of Arimathea would have known where his own tomb was that he had built for himself for when he died. And certainly the Romans would have known where it was. They sent a guard there. And definitely the Jewish leadership, religious leadership, would have known where that tomb was. So we see in the Gospel of Mark that there is a cross before a crown. And the Lord Jesus Christ certainly is the preeminent example of a cross life and actually endured the literal cross, the physical death, and also the spiritual separation from the Father as he became sin, our sin, for us, that he might absorb the full wrath and fury of God against sin, pay the price for our sin, so that we could be forgiven when we believe in him. Well, Jesus is crucified. But we remember in Mark 15, he made some amazing predictions, 
several of them, in fact. Three of them related to these things. He predicted that he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He predicted that he would be crucified, which he was. But he also predicted that he would rise again and his disciples would see him again. Now, he had been delivered, as he said, and he's been crucified. Somehow you would think that the disciples would have remembered, oh yeah, he also said he's going to rise again. But they were in such depths of despair and heartache, basically they were stunned, and they could not even think of this prediction. It was not on their radar screen, folks. They didn't hatch a plot to steal his body and tell everybody that he was alive. They weren't even thinking in those terms. He had been delivered. He was crucified. He's dead. That's it. What do we do now? That's basically their mindset at this point. But I was thinking this week as I prepared to bring this final episode in our walk with Christ through the Gospel of Mark in Mark 16 about the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that I had an insight that I've never had before. I would like to believe that the Lord showed this to me, and I hope it blesses your heart as it blessed my heart this week. In a few moments, we're going to see Christ risen, and he is total victor. Now, what do I mean by that? We see him after he's resurrected as ascendant, transcendent. He is over and above all. Let me plug that in for you. You remember that just a few hours earlier, the high priest was demanding answers from him. Pilate was asking him why he didn't defend himself. Um, People were being forced to take sides regarding Jesus. He was lied about and blasphemed. He was, of course, harassed through his entire earthly ministry. At this point, I think it's very safe to say that even his own brothers and sisters did not understand who he was. They did not believe in him. But after the resurrection, we see him as a total victor. He's no longer concerned anymore with the chief priest or the elders or the scribes. He doesn't have to give any answers to Pilate or Herod. He's completely above all of that because he's totally one. I would liken it this way, a silly example, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. These enemies of Christ only a few hours earlier, who are are still his enemies, by the way, many of them, at this point in, in Mark, These enemies now are just like a bunch of yapping Yorkies, you know, tiny little dogs, yapping, 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 really annoying 
totally powerless. Jesus Christ is total victor. That's what I felt that the Lord impressed on my heart this week that I've never thought about that. I don't believe ever in my whole life as a Christian. I hope that blesses you. Well, let's go to um, the book of Mark. And there's a few principles that I'm going to share with you here as we go through this last chapter in the Gospel of Mark. Now, that's in Mark 16. And in Mark 16, let's go to verse 1. So you may be reading in a, an actual Bible or from an iPad. Wherever you're seeing the Word of God, I want you to read with me so you can tell when I'm reading what the Scripture says and when maybe I'm making a comment to elaborate on that. Mark 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now a point I want to make here again that I, I've never seen this before. Devotion is costly. Worship is not cheap. If you'll look back in Mark 15 at the end, or if you'll remember that, maybe reread it, you'll see that Joseph of Arimathea, who donated his tomb, as far as he knew, he donated it permanently. Although once Christ was raised, I'm, I'm sure Joseph of Arimathea could use that again when he died. But to, when, when he took the body of the Lord off the cro cross, we see there in Mark that he bought linen, and that was a very fine linen worn only by very wealthy people. It cost Joseph of Arimathea to worship Christ, to be devoted to Christ. Worship is not cheap. And we see here that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices. I'm sure these were not cheap either. In their heart and mind, they were going to go to the tomb and use these spices to, I don't want to be too direct, but to conceal the odors that would come eventually from the decomposing body of Christ. This was their mindset. Now, the practical among us would say, well, what point is there in that? I mean, the body would decompose. Nobody would be there to smell it anyway. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to learn, even though I'm old now, but it's taken me a long time, is that not only is devotion costly and, and worship is not cheap, but worship from the heart doesn't always make sense to the logical mind. To these ladies, this was their way, as silly as it might seem to some, of showing their love and devotion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome 
had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, that, that would be our Monday, excuse me, our Sunday, because the Jewish Sabbath is Saturday, so it's very early on Sunday morning. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And by the way, for skeptics who say, well, they got confused and it was dark and they couldn't find the tomb. This says the sun was up by the time they got there, so we can get rid of that objection. Mark 16, 3, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? You remember I mentioned that the Gospel of John used a word when he talked about the stone being rolled away, and he talked about it being a, a large stone. That Greek word is used elsewhere in Greek writings to describe a stone that it would have taken 20 adult men, their, their strength combined, to move such a stone. This was a massive stone. It would be set in a trench, held in place maybe by a rock or a log or some, some device, and once it was ready to be closed, the tomb, they would remove whatever held the stone and it would roll down into place in that trench and right in front of the opening to the tomb, sealing the tomb. This was the kind of stone that they had not thought about yet because we see that even though their heart was filled with love and devotion, they had forgotten who's going to move this stone. Well, now they're thinking about that. In verse 4, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Man, Wow, you know, where God guides, he provides. So they were, they were doing this out of a heart of devotion and worship. Maybe they hadn't thought it all the way through. God honored that. And when they got there, we know from the other gospels that an earthquake occurred, an angel came, uh, actually two angels were there. The Roman guards were in a dead faint, like they were dead men, and... It, it wasn't to let Christ out, by the way. He was already risen. It was to let us see in and see those grave clothes still with probably his form. And, and, and yet if you press down on him, there would be no body there because he had risen through the grave clothes and come through the tomb. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Now, I want you to put yourself in their sandals for a moment. Here are these women who, and I'm sure in their minds, they thought they were nobodies. And I don't know, they probably, I guess, they didn't know there was a guard on duty there, you know, a guard detachment. Or if they knew that, they, I don't know what their plan was. And they certainly didn't know how to move the stone and couldn't have moved it anyway. But when they got there, the stone had already been moved. And John says a great distance away from the opening. 
And they find this young man. Now, this was an angel. And this really made them afraid. Now, I don't know if the Roman guards were still passed out on the ground outside or by this time they had run off to tell the high priest what had happened. And by the way, their lives would be on the line because if you were put on Roman guard duty and and whatever you're guarding got away or was stolen, you paid for it with your life. And you can read more about that in the other Gospels. I won't even go into all those details. But these women were afraid because the, the tomb is open. No body of Christ is there. It's not there. There is an angel there, and this is all just way too much. <laughs> way too much for them. Man, and uh, they, were, they were terrified, I'm sure. You know, what if the guards come back? What if her, we're here and the body of Jesus isn't? And this was just something they just didn't have a category for in their hearts and minds. You remember what I said, Jesus had predicted that he would be delivered and crucified and that he would rise. Well, this doesn't seem to even enter into their hearts and minds at this point. Nobody was looking for Jesus Christ to rise from the dead, even though he told them he would. He'd already been delivered, as he said. He'd already been crucified and really they should have been looking for him to rise again, but this was not what they expected. Verse 6, so the angel speaks to them, and he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. That, that would be the disciples. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Wow. Here in verses uh, 1 through 13, we see clearly that even though Christ had predicted that he would be delivered and crucified and that he would rise again, this was just not what the disciples were expecting. Now, this week, I, I wondered about a couple of other things that I'm, I'm not sure I'd ever wondered about either. This has been a very spiritual week for me in spite of everything going on on the world stage and political things and just general craziness in the world. I have felt so close to Christ 
as I've walked with him through the Gospel of Mark, and I hope that you have as well. And I was thinking this week, why did he pick Mary Magdalene to appear to first? And the thought occurred to me, and I don't think I've ever had this thought before, that the reason he appeared to her is she went. She went to the tomb. I mean, and she was more forward and more prominent about doing that than any of the others, apparently. So she went, so he appeared to her. Well, what about the, the couple that were walking on the road out of Jerusalem in the country? Why, why did he appear to those two on the road? Well, just like Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, these two were, they wrestled with all of this. They were disturbed and trying to figure this out and just, they couldn't even understand why are, why are some of the women saying that he's risen from the dead? And so Jesus went to them. So, you know, let me put it this way. There's an older book written by a, a great preacher and writer, A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, you can get that book still today. It's a great book. But the title of the book is God Tells the Man Who Cares. That's a great spiritual principle. God tells the man or the woman or the teenager or the child who cares. Mary cared, Mary Magdalene. The, the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, they they cared. They wrestled with all of this. And Christ met them in that. And that's the only explanation I have about that. If that it doesn't work for you, it works for me, though. Now, but contrast that with the 11 disciples. Say, so weren't there 12? Well, there were, but one of them, Judas, betrayed Christ for about 21 bucks, you know, 30 pieces of silver is worth maybe today $21. So he's betrayed Christ, and he actually has killed himself. So he's no longer available, and the Bible says he went to his own place. I don't think he went to heaven. I think he went to hell. And Jesus said it would have been better if that man had never been born. So I believe Judas is lost forever, unfortunately. He was so close to Jesus and yet so far away. Maybe you're like Judas. You know all about Jesus, but you don't really know who he is as your Savior and Lord. Don't make the mistake Judas made and end up lost forever. Turn your life over to Christ. Believe in him and trust him today. So Judas is out of the picture. That leaves 11 of the 12 disciples. All of them abandoned him in the garden. Every one of them. Peter just had the misfortune of denying Christ three times out in the courtyard while Christ was being tried. You remember that. And so all of the disciples are hiding. They, it says here that they had been with him 
uh, and she went and told them that had been with him, that's the disciples, as they mourned and wept. So they were in hiding, they were mourning and weeping. Man, what changed these disciples? Well, we'll see that once they knew and believed that Christ was alive, it made a complete difference in their life. Totally changed them. Now, there's a principle at work here saying, well, why in the world would the Lord Jesus Christ want to even work with these, these guys? I mean, they abandoned him. They weren't looking for him to rise again. He had told them point blank, not once, I think not even twice, if several times, I will be delivered, I'll be crucified, I will rise again, you will see me again. And it's like it just went completely over their heads and hearts. Why would he continue to work with them? Well, that's just like Jesus. I'm glad he doesn't give up on us after we've really messed up. He keeps on keeping on working with us. Amen? Amen. There's a principle here. You go to war with the army you have. If a country is in a situation where it's forced into war, it can't wait for an army that it wants to have later. It has to field the army it has today. Same principle here. These were the 11 now that Christ had chosen to be the disciples, the apostles. He's invested three years of his earthly life in them. He knows their future, that as they yield their life to him and he works through them, what he is going to do through them, so he doesn't write them off. But they're not very impressive right now. Can I get a witness on that? But you know what? There have been plenty of times in your life and mine where we've looked like anything but a disciple of Christ. There have been times that we've done things that didn't look like the disciple. We didn't believe the Lord like we should. Maybe we didn't believe in him at all. But Jesus Christ doesn't give up on them. And I love that. So we see the resurrection of Christ. And by the way, let me be very blunt here. If you've been raised in a faith tradition or lack thereof, where you think that Christ, you know, didn't actually really literally physically like totally rise again, that it was more a metaphor, a figure of speech, a symbol, a story, blah, 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 blah. That's wrong. That's completely wrong. That's not very stunning, but somebody actually rising again from the dead, never to die again, that's stunning. And Jesus Christ, this is what the gospel claims, that he literally, actually, physically, truly rose again bodily from the grave, completely victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave, proving that the, holy, that the heavenly Father accepted his sacrifice against, uh, for our sin and that our sins will never be held against us again if we are trusting in Christ and his finished work on the cross. That's the good news. I hope you've received that good news, that you've received Christ, 
and what he has done for you. But I'll tell you, a great change needed to happen in the lives of these people before they could be witnesses for Christ. We see the resurrection of Christ, and in a moment we're going to see the commission of Christ. But I want to just drill down and make sure you know and you understand clearly, especially if you're a relatively new believer or you're investigating the claims of Christianity or you were raised in church, but somehow it's just not real to you. Jesus Christ literally rose from the grave. For real. He really did. There are more proofs for the resurrection of Christ than there are proofs that George Washington ever lived. I mean, have you ever seen George Washington? Have you ever spoken to him? Do you know anybody who's seen him? Say, well, no, Ed, but there are records of his words and his great deeds. There are eyewitness accounts of the heroic actions of the father of our country. Well, you're right. And because of those things, we know George Washington lived and he did the things that the people saw him do and and helped him do in the Revolutionary War and the Constitution and the presidency and so forth. In the same way, we know Jesus Christ lived and he lives again. You see, Jesus Christ is risen and therefore you and I no longer have to pay for our sin in hell. We no longer have to fear death. We win. (laughs) We win. I read the end of the book. We win. He's total victor. You're on the winning team if you're trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. I want you to think about this also. No one, and I'm thinking of the disciples now, once they realize he actually is alive and he still wants to be with them. (laughs) I mean, it would be one thing if Christ was really alive, but he'd had it with them, right? But he still wanted to work through them. Well, once they realized that, they were changed. But if Christ didn't really rise, as they were saying later that he did, then they would have been lying. And and no one would die for a lie that they knew to be a lie. And yet, of these 11 that remained, all 11 suffered for the name of Christ as they went forward in life. And of those 11, 10 were actually martyred. They died for their witness to the resurrected Christ. Now, if they were lying, they knew it was a lie. I mean, why not just say, hey, hey, you know, I was only kidding. I didn't really mean that. You know, he really didn't rise. They never did that. They were willing to die for that testimony because they knew that when they breathed their last breath here on earth, their next breath would be alive in heaven with Christ. So they weren't afraid anymore. And I mentioned that that 10 of the 11 were martyrs. So, well, well, who wasn't? 
Well, we're not sure that John the Apostle was actually martyred, although in Fox's Book of Martyrs, there is an account that John was thrown into a pot of boiling oil, but it didn't kill him. And therefore, the Roman Empire, to get rid of his influence, put him on the Isle of Patmos as a prisoner, as an aged man. But that was really a mistake because it was on that island that the Lord Jesus Christ gave him the book of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Wow. If Fox's Book of Martyrs is correct, then in my mind, even John was martyred. It just didn't take. Amen. Because the Lord had more for John to do. He wasn't done with him yet. But John would have been willing. Amen. So we see the resurrection of Christ as we celebrate that, this resurrection celebration week, and especially this coming Sunday, um, April 21st, 2019, you know, in the, in the week that I'm recording this, we know that Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, he was buried dead, but he rose again, literally, actually alive, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave, that you might be saved. Amen. I hope that you are trusting Christ for what he's done to pay for your sin and that he is your Savior and Lord. So we see the resurrection of Christ, but let's go to verse 14 through 20 and we'll finish. Afterward, now this is the same day, by the way, this, the, the night of that Sunday, that first day of the week when he had risen, Verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. I want you to know, friends, that unbelief is sinful. Unbelief is lazy because there's maybe you're listening today and you're saying, well, I just don't really know. I'm really not sure, you know, whether this is true or not. Well, I tell you what, there have been so many books and studies and videotapes and recorded messages done that will answer your questions that if you really want to, you can get the true answers about the resurrection of Christ and you can get all your questions and your doubts solved. The interesting thing I've noticed is many people who say that don't ever do anything to, to learn more. Maybe you're like that. And I want to commend you, though. You're listening to this podcast. That is great. But if you still have questions, I want you to know there's no question that you have as a non-Christian today, maybe you're Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist, or you're, you say, I ain't nothing. I'm even an atheist. I'm an agnostic. Well, I don't care what name label is put on you, but if you're in a position where you're not truly believing in the risen Christ today, I want you to know that there's more than sufficient evidence for you to get your unbelief taken care of so you can get your belief in gear. And if you don't, that's on you. 
but I believe unbelief is sinful and it's lazy. And Christ here gets on to them about it. Now, if you were raised in the South, you know what I mean. When somebody, when your mama gets on to you, you know you've done wrong. Well, he wrote them up right here. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You know, one of these, we'll see if you read the other Gospels, you see that um, Thomas, in this whole sequence here and the week later, you know, he, he missed Christ in this appearance. They're called the Eleven because that's what they're called. But for whatever reason, he wasn't with them, and they told him that he was risen. And he said, I don't believe it unless I put my hand in his, the wound in his side and the, my, my hands in the nail prints in his hands. I won't believe. Well, I'm glad Thomas said that. I, I'm with Josh McDowell on that, the great defender of the Christian faith. He said he was glad Thomas wasn't there and that, and that he didn't believe because when Christ appeared to him again, Christ called him out. He said, Thomas, put your hand in my side. Put your hand in the, the wounds in, in my hand and don't, don't be a doubter. Believe. One of the things Christ did with them in this appearance is he says, I'm not a spirit. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones like you see me have. Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him items to eat, and he ate with them. He ate in front of them. Ghosts don't do that, all right? Hallucinations don't do that. Christ actually rose, and he proved this to them to where they were changed from unbelievers to flaming evangelist who believed in Christ. So he challenges their unbelief. And, you know, if you think about it, the disciples, they should have been standing in line at the tomb of Christ on that first Easter morning because he had been delivered, just like he said. He was crucified, just like he said. They should have thought to themselves, well, the next thing on the calendar is he's going to rise, just like he said. Well, they didn't do that. You know, until all these other people saw Christ risen, they weren't at the tomb. You know, Peter and, Peter and John were the first to go after they heard about this. But they simply didn't believe and Christ challenges them. He confronts them about this. So if you're listening today to this podcast with whatever, however you got here, whatever your background has been, whatever questions and doubts and uncertainties you may have about Jesus Christ, I, I say to you that if you're walking around in your unbelief making excuses, you have no excuse there's even a book out there, it's an, an older book, about uh, probably uh, about 150 years old, and the title of that book is called Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible. And in that, all of the known uh, uh, alleged problems with the Bible and so forth, all this stuff people make up and bellyache about, 
that writer documented, I think there's something like 350 objections that he deals with. He deals with the objection, and then he answers it from Scripture. So there's really, listen, I know you think you're a really smart person and all of that, but uh, you have not come up with something that hasn't already been sufficiently answered. So now the issue is your will. Are you an unbeliever because you will not believe? Because if Christ is alive and you give your life to him, things are going to have to change. You're more comfortable in your sin than you are repenting of sin and coming to Christ. Saying, Ed, why are you talking to me like this? Because I think there's some of you who are listening to this podcast days from now, weeks from now, months from now, years from now, that that you're hiding behind your alleged unbelief, the questions and doubts and misgivings you have. And I'm telling you, you're just using that as some kind of shield. You need to get your faith in gear. And if you need some answers, trust me, the truth is out there. You just have to look for it. In fact, if you were to pray a prayer like this, I'm pretty sure the Lord would answer it. I've heard of many people in their stories of how they came to faith in Christ, and, and many people have said that at some point in their life, they basically gave up, and they said, Lord, if you're real, prove, show me you're real. Reach out to me. Show me you're real. I want to believe in you. And you know what? If, if that comes from a heart, a true heart, I believe God will answer that prayer. And some amazing things have happened as people have, have said, Lord, I, I don't want to run from you. If you're real, I want to trust you and love you. And God has revealed himself to them so that they became believers in Christ. If that's you, I dare you to pray a prayer like that to the Lord because I believe he will show you and you will become a true believer in the risen Lord Jesus Christ who is God. That's been the whole point of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus Christ is God. So if you want freedom from your sin, you want your conscience cleared, you want abundant life, a home forever with him in heaven. He's the only way you will ever get there. He said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said about himself. So I hope you will come from unbelief to belief. Now, what happened when the disciples made this transition, when they realized he really actually was alive and that he still loved them? That's a good news. Uh, that's good news, right? Well, let's see. They are going to find out that they are going to be given this commission. So there's the resurrection of Christ and then the commission of Christ. And they are going to be turned into preachers who take this message all over the world. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
And the emphasis here, by the way, is not so much on baptism. As, if somebody is a believer, they will follow the Lord in baptism. But the, the point is that those who believe are saved, but those who, who won't believe, they shall be damned or condemned. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if any dead, they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These are the kinds of signs that were fulfilled in the apostles. I'm not sure we have a record of any of them having, you know, being forced to drink poison. But Jesus says, don't worry. If you had to do it, it's not going to affect you at all. So they finally believed these signs followed them. And um, so then we come to verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That's the place of authority and favor and power. And he's waiting to come back to take his church home. And we'll discuss that in other, other episodes and other studies. Verse 19, So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So, what changed them from unbelief to belief? Encountering the literally, actually resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that just set them on fire. Many years ago, the Duke of Wellington, the commander of British forces, was asked by an army chaplain in the British army, should he take the gospel of Christ to the hill tribes of India? He said, I, I don't know if I should do that or not. They probably won't believe it. They will reject it. Wellington asked him, what are your marching orders? Great question. What did Christ command us to do? To preach the word. You know, you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher to do that. You can share Christ with people at work, at your school, in your family, on your sports teams, wherever you are. Some of you, the Lord may call to the ministry. Others, he may call to uh, be a missionary somewhere around the world. But all of us can share Christ. It may be simply giving a, a gospel track. That's a, that's a little thing that explains who Jesus is and how to be saved. Giving a track to a friend. Leaving a track for a waitress in a restaurant. Um, putting a tract in uh, bills that you're paying. And some, somebody's going to read it, Right? maybe sharing that gospel tract with a neighbor, inviting them to church, and they go to church and they hear the gospel and they come to Christ. All of us have a part to play in this commission. We don't all play the same part, by the way, but it's whatever the Lord has for you to do that you should do. But Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can work for Christ. Uh, let me help you out. You can't. And he doesn't call us to work for him. 
verse 19, um, uh, excuse me, verse 20, it says uh, deeper into that verse, the Lord working with them. The Lord doesn't want anyone to work for him. That's doing it in your own power. But Ed, but Ed, I'm scared to share at my school. People will mock me or laugh at me on social media. Hey, get over yourself. Share Christ. I mean, if the apostles were willing to be martyred because of their witness to the resurrected Christ, um, I'm pretty sure that he will help you endure some social shame on social media. And maybe there should be more Jesus sharing on that and clean it up. Amen? So there's going to be something he calls you to do. But he doesn't want you to do that for him. He wants you to do it with him. As a Christian, he lives in you by faith. And you become the body he now uses. Your eyes, hands, feet, your voice. And and he works through you. And when you let him work through you, great things are going to happen. Friends of yours are going to come to Christ. Family members are going to come to Christ. Customers that you have will be saved. Neighbors will be saved. Um, Somebody you may not even know will be affected by that track that you put out there. It's, It's going to truly be amazing what happens when you are are in harmony with the resurrected Christ, believing in him, he is living his life now through you, and you find yourself amazingly working with him. Recently, I, uh, went, I have appointments with people, and I had an appointment, and I've been praying all day, believing, even though there was doubt that would come. Every time I doubted, I believed. This could be the best appointment I ever had. Best appointment I ever had. But what about this? This could be the best appointment I ever had. And you know what? I prayed about that appointment because I, I knew the situation. I knew some things needed to happen for things to be set up the right way, for good things to occur. And you know what? When I walked in, everything happened just like I believed it was going to happen. It was like, bam, bam, bam. I was amazed. <laughs> and I just want you to know that when you... When you're a Christian, truly saved, and the resurrected Lord is real and he lives his life in you and through you, you are going to have some amazing experiences just like and better than what I just said. Because Jesus Christ is not buried in a tomb somewhere. Uh, Christians don't go to a, a town to worship the tomb where his body is. Let me tell you something, friends. If the disciples had stolen his body or the, the wrong tomb, you know, the mistaken tomb, but he's actually in another tomb, I can 100% guarantee you that the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman political leaders and everybody who was anybody would have produced that body, put it on a cart, paraded it through town and said, he's dead. Now shut up. But they didn't do that because they, they didn't have the body because Jesus Christ wasn't dead. <laughs> Amen. I don't know if I've done even a halfway decent job on this chapter today. But my heart has been 
that you would, if you're already a Christian, that you would just be strengthened in your closeness with the resurrected Christ. But if you're not a Christian, that you would want this Jesus in your life, this Jesus who died for your sins, rose again the third day and lives again, able and ready to forgive you of your sin, that you would want him in your life. That was my prayer before I recorded this today. I want to give you some information here if you're in that position where you can get some additional help. There's a phone number you can call. I'm going to give it to you. 1-888-587. That may be 537. I think it's actually 537. So one more time. 1-888-537-8720. And you can get free help so that you can come to Christ or you can grow in your new Christian life because you are now believing in Jesus. You can also go to this website address, www.sbc, that's like Sam Bravo Charlie. So www.sbc.net. And you will see a tab at the top of that site that will give you a wealth of free information to help you come to Christ and grow in your knowledge of Christ. So I'm excited. This is Resurrection Celebration Week. I think that I've never, never felt closer to Christ. And I'm so excited in spite of the craziness in the world I live in to know that Jesus is risen He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He loves me. He paid for my sins. He died for me. He rose again. One day, if if I don't die first and go to be with him, one day he's coming again to take me and all who believe in him to live with him forever in heaven. And that's so exciting. So, I want you, if you're not a believer in Christ, I want you to come to faith in Christ. If you are a believer, I want you to grow in your faith and your service for him because there's not only the resurrection of Christ, there is the commission of Christ. So because we believe in him and he lives his life through us, we get the privilege of working with him, the Lord working with us, in us, and through us. So I hope this has been a blessing to your heart today. And I I pray that this Christmas, uh, this Easter season, rather, this resurrection celebration season will be one of the most wonderful that you've ever had. I thank you again for listening to This Week in the Word. Again, if you have a question, you can email me at pastoredhill at gmail.com and I will try to answer your questions. Maybe you have a, a book of the Bible or a topic you wonder if we could address. Maybe we can do that. So email me. Tell others how to find our podcast. It's always free to listen. The most direct way is just www.pastoredhill.com dredhill.podbean.com Remember that DR does not have a period after it. 
It's just dredhill.podbean.com. Help others uh, find it. They can listen for free. They can grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and their walk with Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be back soon with a new episode to help us grow in the Lord. And the good news is Christ is risen indeed.